nuclear proliferation, global pandemic, famine, environmental genocide, war. Mankind teeters on the brink of a second dark age. Everywhere you turn, chaos, anarchy, and shadow. In these bleak days, under the fading light, where businesses and the little guy are left for dead on the side of the byway, and people cry out for the rule of law, humanity is at a breaking point, where there is no light at the end of the tunnel, and everything good seems to have been barred, or banned, or barred. Two men offer up their voices in the darkness, a shining beacon leading the huddled masses into the safe harbor of good business practices and occasional time travel. Here are your hosts, the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham and L. Bradley Sheaf. Well, here we are a couple weeks till Christmas, rocking around the proverbial Christmas tree here on IP Frequently. David Pridham here, along with my colleague, L. Bradley Sheaf, bringing you all the hits of the 80s, A to Z. Brad, how are you? I'm good, buddy. I'm, I am actually literally rocking around a Christmas tree here in our studio as we speak. Um, but anyway, this is a big week for us here at IP Frequently. Again, you can learn more about our show on our website, ipfrequently.com. Go ahead on Instagram at IP underscore frequently and follow us. Brad, first, everyone in the studio audience is buzzing. Of course, this is the big eggnog fest today. Everyone in the studio audience gets a free spiked eggnog on their way out the door. This is the big Christmas party week. Brad and I just had our corporate Christmas party. And oh, what fun we had. Brad, did you have a good time? I had an exceptional time. Yes, as I always do. Our crew is uh, unique, my friend, unique. Yeah, it, it makes the bar scene in the cantina in Star Wars look look rather tame. Yeah, it looks like it came out of a, uh, you know, 1960s Leave it to Beaver episode um, compared to our crew. But everybody survived it. No one had to go to the emergency room. Uh, so all in all, a win. Took everyone to, for, for those of you wondering, we spare no expense when it comes to our Christmas party. We took everyone to the uh, the Chili's down the street. We did the lunch fajita um, Christmas party. Everyone got their choice of uh, of chicken or beef fajitas. Appetizers, of course, we did not cover because that would be a little bit a little bit crazy. But everyone got a dessert. They got a pat on the back, and uh, we gave a few people spot bonuses. Brad, you remember when you received one of those? The big, I think that that certificate's probably still on your wall. Isn't that correct? Well, where else would it be? I, I Well, I, I mean, in fairness, when I first got it, we put it on the fridge, of course. Uh, but then when it was no longer fridge worthy, I just I hung it on my wall. Yeah, that was a that was a big day. And uh, I think that was probably I mean, what was that a $50 bonus to you? You couldn't even pay mm -hmm. for the Vitas with that. No, not with that. But uh, I covered some apps. OK, well, there there you go. But it was a big day for Brad, big day for us here at uh uh, the IP Frequently family. And again, everyone here in the audience will get Brad's signature on a U.S. patent. Uh, they'll get an eggnog and they're all going to get an NFT 
uh, of an eggnog on the way out the door. So all three for the price of one, and we are very excited for that. But first, Brad, down to business, the two big news items of the week that small business owners need to know about. There's a lot going on out there, right? You've got the Omnicom, you've got the COVID-19, you've got inflation, you've got global conflict, uh, you've got the, 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 the Chinese on the moon, you've got asteroids careening towards Earth at, at dozens of miles per hour. And what we've done is our crack staff has picked out the two big news items of the week that you need to know about. Yeah, great. Let's do it. Let's dive right in. First, Brad, global conflict. Uh, Papa Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin had their virtual summit this week. Um, the first time the two leaders sat down, um, I guess you call it face to face, a monitor to monitor. Um, interestingly enough, the U.S. press was not allowed access to the uh, to the summit. But of course, the Soviet uh, I'm sorry, the Russian press was allowed access by Putin. I wonder why. And um, what happened at the start was uh, par for the course. Um, the president had trouble, uh, President Biden had trouble unmuting uh, himself. And so he was talking and waving without any words coming out. And uh, the pictures of Putin just sitting back in his chair, rather confident, Cheshire cat grin, sheepishly you know, giggling at the uh, leader of the free world, Joe Biden, as he tried to unmute his uh, Zoom connection. Yeah. I mean, buddy, that is it's just sorrowful on any number of levels. I mean, first of all, the president of the United States of America should be able to unmute himself. Right. I mean, that's something he should be able to do. My dad can do it. They're of comparable age. Your dad can do it. They're of comparable age. But it, I, I guess it's even worse that he doesn't even have competent staff. I, I find it ironic that the the uh, Biden people banned the U.S. press corps from the opening of the summit. And so, of course, um, the Russians allowed Russian press in and they did it in such a way where you see uh, Putin sitting at the end of a table, very confident, just smirking as this dunce can't even get the unmute button to work on his uh, on his system. And it, it just it just is so telling at how weak we are. On the um, on the global stage now, the the upshot, the upside of it is though we do have John Forbes Kerry speaking French in Europe as we speak uh, to try to solve the global climate crisis. That is an existential threat to our existence and everything on Earth. Did he shoot on over there in his private jet, just you know, sort of spreading carbon wherever he goes? Or well, you can't expect him to fly commercial. What are you nuts? It's John Forbes Kerry. <laughs> actually, I, I misspoke. He's actually uh, at his mansion in Nantucket this week, Brad. He's not in Europe, but he is speaking French. Any particular reason he's speaking French in his mansion in Nantucket or just well, enjoys he, it? Because he can. Uh, well, I mean, I guess if you can, you should periodically. That's it. But then, then we do understand that the president of the United States voiced grave concern over the whole uh, Ukraine situation to Putin. I'm sure that's going to lead to positive a uh, positive outcome for the Ukrainian people. I can only imagine the sleepless nights for Vladimir Putin yeah. being threatened by Joe Biden. Of course, he can't hear him, right? So he sort of has to read lips to understand that the Ukraine was on the top of Joe Biden's list. And you can get Ukraine confused with a lot of words when you're reading lips. Yeah, I'm sure we're in good shape. He, the, the picture that they released, I encourage everyone to go out to your news um, uh, source of choice and and uh, look it up at the picture of Putin sitting at the end of the table and Biden on a monitor waving 
like a you know like a like a grandfather waving at his kid i mean just 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 pathetic but you know i'm, I'm sure it'll go well as with most things it can't possibly be as bad as it looks that's probably worse with the biden administration buddy it's always darkest before it goes pitch black the second news story of the week that everyone needs to know about first biden putin virtual summit that's one number two is um our great vice president kamala harris who for ip frequently and for the folks out there in ip frequently land which is a registered uh, uh trademark and fun park that you can you can travel to uh she is the gift that keeps on giving she's lost several staffers i think four or five staffers have, have resigned um because she's difficult to work with and a dunderhead uh, which is a lethal lethal combination um, but actually, this week she had what appears to be her um, deputy director for operations, David Gins. David Gins, G-I-N-S. It could be Gits though, but it says Gins. He he actually put this on Twitter: a picture of himself sitting at this desk outside of an office, like a secretarial um, desk, and he tweeted out, "Hi, my name is David Gins. I work for Vice President Harris." on behalf of the American people and absolutely love my job and my boss, period. So you can tell. <laughs> could you see the gun to his head or did they angle the camera such that you couldn't see that? The, the picture of him, he, 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 he okay. <laughs> He's sitting at this little desk with a little nameplate said David Gins, clearly outside of her office, just waiting for her to kick the door in and start screaming at him. And in the in this picture, he's he's staring straight ahead like in a hostage. Is he video. holding up a newspaper? He is not holding up a newspaper, but adorning the wall is a beautiful photo of uh, the vice president and her husband, the first man, Doug, um, uh, sharing a tender moment in in, uh, in the vice president's office. It looks like actually one of those pictures that was taken the same day, like real time printing. It's yeah. just thrown up on the wall. But there, she is now so desperate to try to change the narrative about her being a terrible boss, a bad person to work with, and a generally reprehensible human being that she's forcing David Gins, David Gins, to send out these tweets. And um, uh, you know, David I, I think, Gins, who probably had to spend forty-five minutes in the shower just to feel even partially clean after sending out that tweet, right? I think that tweet is probably the best part of his day. Sending that out, and what I find telling is not just the tweet, right? Because the tweet is what it is, right? It's a, it's a, uh, it's obviously the work of a, a lunatic uh, boss and a very, very vulnerable gentleman who's afraid to lose his job. But when you look at the comments, that's where you get the true meaning of the tweet, right? So for example, I'm going to read a couple of them. Blink twice if you need help, Dave. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. And then you look like you're going to the gallows, bro, is another one. It, it's a good time. I don't think David Gins will be with us this time next week, but it was good while it, uh, while it lasted. I think he's probably the person that put together that interview at the Antebellum Mansion with the actors. <laughs> I mean, that was, a, that was a classic. Or when she went to France and spoke in a fake french accent and uh -huh. now oh bonjour comment allez-vous but now we also learn that kamala harris is airpod airpod phobic airpod phobic um she will not use bluetooth uh technology because she believes and i quote that it is, it is in place in order for people to hack her office so she will not use bluetooth headphones they are a security risk in her mind, and she's afraid of being hacked. And she tells everyone in her office they have to use the old plug-in 
earphones. Can you even do that? I mean, if you wanted to do that, can you even do that with a modern mobile telephone? I, I don't, I don't believe so. I don't, uh, I don't, even I wouldn't know, know how to in. do that. And so of all the things in. that she could be worried about and probably should be worried about that's on the top of her list, but buddy, these are the people that are running our country. Yeah. 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 I mean, look at the end of the day though, it could be worse. I suppose, but you would have to sit down and think about that for a good long time as to how you would make that worse because you would say, well, we don't want to have a tyrant, but Biden is effectively a tyrant. I mean, with all of these executive orders he's putting out that are just ridiculous and in you know, gross violation of the Constitution, any fifth grader can tell you, yeah, you can't do that as the president of the United States. So you already have a tyrant. But you know, oftentimes with a tyrant, you sometimes get efficiency. You know, like the, the country actually sort of runs, right? Because you got one guy, may not, may not be the way you want it to run, but it runs. But, but we have like the worst combination of a tyrant who also happens to be a complete get and buffoon backed up by an even bigger get and buffoon. I, I, I do not know how you get there. In order to, for it to be worse, you would have to sit down and, you know, sketch something out for a while. Yeah. And I'm sure David Gaines is working on that very thing right now because I'm, I'm positive. One thing I know is as sure as I sit here in this lavish studio with this great studio audience, um, I noticed some folks brought their pets this week uh, after the whole Leica incident last week. We'll, we'll, we'll get around to photographs with all the family pets this week. Um, but uh, one thing I am sure of is, is we will be talking about some other gaffe next week that makes the likes of poor Mr. David Gins look like small potatoes. Yeah, no, I mean, that. if there's one thing you can give to the folks at the top of the Biden administration is that they never rest on their laurels. I mean, as bad as they F something up in one week, they will find a way to top themselves in the following week. They, they will not stand pat. They will not rest until they have come up with a way to screw it up even bigger and better next week. And, and frankly, I applaud that. If you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly. And speaking of being a grizzly, Brad, the votes are in for the number four, number one seed, the fourth number one seed in the big oh. Sweet 16 tournament that we're doing. Again, Sweet 16, hot songs of the 1980s. And uh, I can tell you, Brad, that that fourth Number one seat, over 5,500 votes on the InstaFace, on the Twitter. And uh, the, the fourth number one seed is Do That To Me One More Time by Captain and Tennille. You know what? Let's throw them in there. Let's see what happens. We're going to wait to release the formal brackets at a later date. And we are looking for a sponsor uh, for the big uh, Songs of the 80s round robin tournament. And uh, we'll have more information on that as we get into 2022. We are moving on through the holiday season. We are taking you and your small business to school, uh, telling you everything you need to know. You literally don't need to open a newspaper. You don't need to click on a link. You don't need to go to the Book of Face or the InstaFace or the, uh, the Twitter. Um, you just need to come here. And Brad and I will tell you all you need to know for the rest of the week. And the rest of the week, you can go do your job, run your business. You don't need any other news sources, Brad. That's what, that's what 
I'm trying to convey here. No, it's like a condensed energy drink of small business running, you know, small business mastery. Some would say, come here. Now you got to pay attention, right? Now, one of the things you cannot do is let your mind drift during this hour, unless of course it's, it's during the uh, commercial breaks and then you're, you're welcome to do whatever you need to do. But while David and I are on, you got to focus, you got to close your eyes, you got to get in a comfortable position. And if you do that, you're done. You're done for the week. Go do whatever else you want to do. It's like being vaccinated with the news, right? You've got all you need. Big news of the week, Brad, uh, JFK update. I was talking to my good friend, Rob Clark, and uh, he was surprised, and I was surprised this week to learn that Brad Sheaf had never uh, seen the Zabruder film uh, until last uh, last weekend. Um, shocking, in fact. But I, I had not. You know, you and I were, you know, hanging around uh, last Friday night, enjoying uh, some delightful wine that you provided. I appreciate that, buddy, like a couple of gentlemen. And as folks who listen to this program know, you are a bit of an aficionado when it comes to the JFK assassination. I am not. It's never been something that's really, you know, been my thing. But uh, you put on a, a, a program of some sort. Uh, I think it was some kind of a follow on, like the 30 year anniversary follow on to the Oliver Stone movie, JFK. And, you know, my eyes were open, pal. I mean, I, I saw that magic bullet, which has clearly hit nothing, not even a block of gelatin. Um, so obviously, wherever that bullet came from, it did not, you know, ricochet around between the bodies of the former president and the former governor of Texas. That did not happen. And I had not seen the Zabruder film, which is, you know, troubling as any live film of someone being assassinated would be. But it raises questions of its own. It does. It does. Uh, who, who was the shooter? Uh, how many people shot? Where were the bullets coming from? All of this is information you need as a small business owner, critical information. And listen, we are going to get this is a pledge Brad and I made to each other the other day. And we are now going to make it to y'all here in the studio audience and those who are out there in the uh, cable radio network and beyond. We will continue to do this show every week until we solve the JFK assassination. Correct. Probably continue to do the show even after we solve the JFK assassination. I don't think it's going to take us that long, quite frankly, uh, but we will certainly do it up until that point. Well, yeah. So everyone we can move on to Amelia Earhart. I mean, there's a lot to be done here, my friend. If you're going to run a small business, run it right. Let's figure out what happened to JFK. Let's figure out what happened to Amelia. Let's get this stuff right. It's 2021. Also on the list is the lost continent of Atlantis and D.B. Cooper. And we will solve all of these quote unquote mysteries uh, before this uh, show uh, you know, closes its doors for good, which is not anytime soon. No, it won't be anytime soon. We got a lot on our plate. We got a lot to do. We got a lot that we owe the small business owner, Hither and Jan, and we will get to all of that. Um, but I, I, again, I think there's questions to be asked about the evidence presented in the JFK assassination. Yeah, and Rob Clark is doing God's work uh, in that regard. You know, at some point we may have him back on, but Brad, we have to quickly transition from a dead president to the COVID corner, where we talk all things COVID that are important to small businesses across the globe. And uh, this week, your favorite mayor, America's mayor, Bill de Blasio, um, dumped a proverbial uh, COVID vaccine mandate on all private businesses in New York City, every one of them. 
Um, and I think he gave them like two or three weeks to get the uh, vaccine mandate in place. And obviously it's unconstitutional and obviously it's going to be challenged in the courts and, and, and knocked down. But it seems like uh, your good friend, uh, Bill de Blasio, is not going quietly into that good night. He continues to push a rather radical agenda all the way up until uh, New Year's Eve when I think he is uh, going to be uh, leaving office for good. Is that when his 15 minutes are up? New Year's Eve? That's the deal? The, the new guy I, I takes over on one I believe January. the new guy. Yeah, I believe the new yeah. guy is, is inaugurated on New Year's well, Eve. He is a he is a freaking moron. I mean, he's lame duck. He knows that none of this stuff is going to happen. He knows that every time he opens his mouth, there is a giant chasm of silence coming from anyone who might possibly be listening, right? No one cares what Bill de Blasio has to say. No one in the state of New York, no one outside of the state of New York, nobody cares. So you have to ask yourself, why is he doing this? How does it, because Bill de Blasio has always been about, wait for it, Bill de Blasio. So how does this possibly help him? Well, I have no idea. I, I mean, I, I don't know how he would, I, I don't even know how you enact something like this. I mean, first of all, he get, he, he announces this on the morning Joe program on um, MSNBC, which in and of itself is a joke. And right. then he, he, he basically is giving all private businesses three weeks to make sure that everyone is, is um, in, in their employee is, uh, is vaccinated. I mean, it raises constitutional concerns. It raises, um, you know, all sorts of HIPAA concerns, privacy concerns. Um, it's, it's unwieldy. It, it's impossible to implement. It's impossible to administer. It's impossible to police, even if you wanted to. Um, and it just is, it, it, it seems like it's just a colossal waste of time that's going to cause a lot of people to spin their cycles until a court throws this nonsense out. And, and for a mayor of a city like New York to not even broach this with some of the business groups in New York, some of the employer groups in New York, some of the unions in New York, but just to go on Morning Joe and sort of wing it and announce this craziness, um, it, it, it just sort of tells you that, you know, that you're exactly right. He's all about Bill de Blasio and really nothing more. And the good news is, Brad, he is uh, an announced candidate for governor of New York. So he may very well have a yeah, new job. Good, good for him. Yeah, never happened. And again, you just said, I, I am sure that those chuckle nuts on Morning Joe just ate the whole thing up, patting him on the back. Oh, brilliant idea, Mr. Mayor. Oh yeah. Well, no, they love, they love it. They love any, any opportunity to screw the, uh, the, the, the little guy, the small business owner, they will, they will take it. And, and what they do is they come up with these great, you know, utopian ideals and have some moron, you know, try to try to implement them without any regard for the cost or without any regard for the, uh, the, the way that it's going to impact the, uh, the, the common worker or the uh, small yeah. business I mean, owner. Bill de Blasio, Bill de Blasio is a man untroubled by forethought, right? Like it, he's, he's never let that get in his way. As you pointed out, it, even if it was a good idea, which it is the opposite of, but even if it was a good idea, it's completely impossible to implement it. But again, you know, that things like that have never troubled the good mayor. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. Now he's doing this on the heels of Omicron variant uh, starting to uh, spread a little bit more in the U.S. Um, they are saying that it's going to be uh, the prevalent uh, COVID variant in Europe over the winter. 
Um, but who cares? Is there uh, anyone who cares? Exactly. I think I think the big um, the big takeaway so far, and there's very little um, very little data out yet on on this new variant. But so far, it looks like it's a little more mild than um, the other variants. And it also looks. I think I think there are. It looks like the vaccines are working well to mitigate um, significant disease. I mean, there, there, I, I saw somewhere that there are like billions of doses that have been, um, uh, that had been manufactured, like, like seven or 8 billion doses that have been manufactured and the impact in those countries that are really rolling it out is pretty, um, pretty significant. And um, if this Omicron variant is a little less deadly than the prior variants, coupled with the prevalence of the vaccine, you know, it may be a signal that we're starting to turn the corner and starting sounds like to a win towards uh, herd immunity. It does sound like a win. But not to build a Blasio. I mean, he's not, gonna, to, not to build yeah, a Blasio. No, no, he is. Uh, he is a piece of work. Uh, next, Brad, um, we uh, have a some sad news to report. Uh, Bob Dole is in our RIP report this week. Bob Dole, 98 years old. Uh, World War II hero, um, Republican Senate leader, the master of the Senate for a while, a minority then majority leader, um, ran for president a couple of times. He was a VP candidate under uh, Gerald Ford in uh, 76 and lost that uh, that race, um, lost the 88 primaries where he famously told uh, George Bush to stop lying about his record. And then he ran against Bill Clinton in 1996 and got uh got uh, hammered electorally. Uh, but uh, again, a good, uh, really good American, a good uh, public servant, a war hero, uh, had a great run up to 98 and, uh, you know, going to be uh, going to be missed. Absolutely. I mean, again, a, a man who, you know, was in the generation where we actually had some statesmen in the Senate, some folks who put the needs of the country in front of their own, as, as obviously Senator Dole did in any number of venues to include World War II, a member of the greatest generation, and he and those uh, like him are not, not only will be sorely missed, are currently being sorely missed. I mean, we just have a pack of clowns in our legislature these days, and we could really use more, you know, Bob Dolness in that space. Yeah, Bob Dole doesn't cotton to any of this nonsense. Bob Dole doesn't like it. No, Bob Dole hates it. And in fact, I am holding a pen in my right hand for this entire episode as a tribute to the former Senator Dole. And I think uh, we have a staffer here who can get some pens out. Yeah, there we go. To the studio audience, I want to see that tribute. Uh, Bob Dole, not related, a little trivia, bread, not related to the Dole pineapple people. No, not as far as I know. But he did enjoy a good pineapple. Yeah, and I believe he also hated Bill Clinton. Well, he falls into a uh, you know rather large category of of folk uh, when you make that comment. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's absolutely to include Vince true. Foster, who you know it's tough to ask him about his opinion at this point. Yeah, well, it is it is tough, but uh, you know, suicides like that happen, Brad. They happen, but R R I P to the great Bob Dole. He will be will be missed. We could use more statesmen like him in the Senate. And uh, I'm rather certain that we're not going to we're not going to get any more. Um, next, Brad, uh, we have the big uh, Apple, the conglomerate 
um, and their dealings with China. It came out this week that uh, there was a secret $275 billion deal between Apple and the, uh, the communist Chinese in 2016, where uh, Apple promised to invest in the Chinese economy in return for um, the uh, Chinese uh, eliminating some, you know, air quotes, regulatory actions against, uh, against Apple. This was a secret deal. It was not disclosed even as a public company. And it's something that Tim Cook personally negotiated. And it sort of begs the question, how far will Apple go uh, to appease the, uh, the, the Chinese government uh, and uh, to sort of work with a, uh, um, uh, a company that allows them to um, utilize slave labor to build their phones? Well, buddy, that's that's part of our problem in this country, right? I mean, we are rapidly in the process of losing our soul and trading it in for more nifty technology, right? I mean, the reason that Apple can get away with this, I guarantee you that on the list of things Tim Cook is worried about today, this negotiation coming out is it's not even on the list. He doesn't care because he knows that, you know, here in the United States, Western Europe, et cetera. People are not going to give up their addiction to Apple devices in order to take any kind of moral or ethical stand against that company. Certainly, our government is not going to do it. The legislature is largely bought and paid for by big tech. Everyone is addicted to the quote unquote free services that these big tech organizations provide while simultaneously taking every drop of your personal information and using it in any way, shape or form they deem fit. And so, you know, he just doesn't care. They, they don't care. As long as the stock prices stay up, Tim Cook does not care. And, and these chickens are going to come home to roost. I don't know exactly how, but you cannot completely sell your morality and your sense of ethics for a cell phone and not have repercussions arise from that. You just can't. Now, look, I mean, I'm, I'm not on any kind of a high horse here. I have an iPhone sitting right here. So I'm not trying to you know, take a, a hypocritical position, but I mean, that's just where we are. I mean, you, you, we, have, we have basically told big tech, we'll do anything you want. You can have all of our personal information. You can do whatever you want. Just keep pumping out bad uh, streaming content, and we're your Huckleberry. That's where we're at. Yeah. No. And 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 the 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 ironic thing is that you know Apple and a lot of these companies will take very very strong political stances in this country, right? For for different uh, uh, when different things happen, and very strong, and they'll they'll go as far as to you know, censor opinions, uh, censor apps, censor information that they don't like on their uh, on their platform. But um, they're happy to do business with the Chinese government in return for you know providing that labor and providing access to the Chinese market. And uh, with without any critique whatsoever of the uh, uh, the actions of that Chinese government. I think it's 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 crazy. It's brazen. I mean, it's sort of like the NBA, right? LeBron James is very quick to question uh, what this government does, but he won't say a thing about Nike, which literally uses slave labor 
to make Nike shoes. Literally does that. And he won't say a thing about it. Even when given the opportunity to, when asked about it, he just will not answer because he's paid for by Nike. And that's, that's the type of government we have now. And that's the type of business community we have now. And it's really, it's really too bad. It would be nice if someone actually came out and took a stand against some of these actions, like with the slave labor, like what's going on in Hong Kong, like what's going on with the repression of political uh, uh, discourse and, and insight. But it's just, it's just not going to happen. And as long as we have our iPhones, everyone's happy. I mean, buddy, I mean, you and I both, I mean, we're, we're in that, we're in that pool people. We both have iPhones. I, I'm not sure what the answer is, but I, I do know that no one wants to hear it, right? I mean, no one wants to take a moral position. No one wants to, you know, look at these situations and even just ask the question like, Hey, wait a minute, Tim Cook, you know, how, wh- why are you taking a position on this issue over here and exactly the opposite position on that issue over there and even hold him accountable for answering the question. And the answer is because no one cares. We have waved goodbye to our, you know, national sense of right. And we've exchanged it for iPhones. And that's just where we are. Brad, very often people ask me, how can we learn more about IP Frequently and your fine program? And I tell them, go to our website, ipfrequently.com and follow us on Instagram at IP underscore Frequently. When you do so and uh, follow us, you'll get a gift of some sort or a a treat or just a good old pat on the back. Um, But uh, we are very excited about the program and uh, your uh, following us and listening to us. Thank you and and keep it up. Uh, During the break, Brad collected everyone's iPhone from the studio audience and is the process of smashing each one in a show of solidarity with the Uyghur slaves in China and uh, as sort of a way to thumb a, uh, a nose at uh, Tim Cook. But it is amazingly satisfying. I, mean, I invite members of the studio audience, everybody, you know what? You can smash your own phone. I, I don't want to take up all the fun we've got. Uh, luckily here in the studio, we keep a fairly broad selection of different weights of ball peen hammers, and they are perfect for this kind of work. So if you'll just move a little to the my right, your left in the studio audience, that side of the studio over by the workbenches there, there you go. You'll see a selection of ball peen hammers. Grab the one that uh, suits your fancy and smash that damn thing. Let me see you do it. Yep, I, and, and I noticed, Brad, you have not yet smashed your phone but you have smashed. I'm going to shoot it. Okay. Well, then again, we, we can't do that in the studio because of all the liability and after what happened on the set of Rust with uh, Alec Baldwin. We can't do that here. He just straight up killed those people. I think he did too. I think yeah. he did. Listen, I, I mean, it, it, it's my opinion. It's your opinion, but uh, it looks like a, a, a murder scene just like you saw with Vince Foster. Yeah. I don't know why. I mean, I don't know, you know, got some sort of burr under a saddle. Uh, which occasionally does happen on the set of a Western-based movie. He's getting um, yeah. get up. He did. Get up. I don't know, you know, but I mean, you look at you look at what's going on there. Doesn't look good. Doesn't look no. good. No. And as my good friend uh, uh, Don says, "I like West. I like it." He does. He says it. In fact, exactly like that. But he's yeah. talking about the actual oxidation of ferrous metals, as opposed to the movie. Why he likes that, I don't know, but that is what he says. Well, listen, Brad, as, as everyone out there knows, um, Brad and I are sportsmen at heart. 
right? We are sportsmen at heart. We uh, like all things sports. We follow all of the big, uh, the big leagues, the big, uh, the college, the pros, soccer, MMA, ultimate fighting, MMA. Um, and we, um, you know, we'd like to keep up on the latest happenings. We love excellence. We love um, uh, when someone thrives. And we are very excited to report that women's um, swimming is now being turned upside down as Leah Thomas, uh, a swimmer at uh, the University of Penn, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. Leah Thomas has smashed two women's uh, U.S. records at a recent contest in Akron, Ohio, uh, home of the Akron Bees. Um, and uh, one, uh, I guess Thomas first won the 1650 freestyle in a record time, and she beat her closest rival, Anna Sophia uh, Caladrezi by 38 seconds. And she uh, lapped the field, no pun intended, in the 500 freestyle winning by over 14 seconds. So this is a, this is a record setting year for Leah Thomas, who is, who is right now the best female swimmer in the college game. Well, good for Leah. Yeah. Now, what's interesting about Leah is up until a few months ago, she went by the name of Will. Ah, I believe I see where this is going. Yeah. So um, that Will slash Leah is, if you, if you look at these videos, they are extraordinary. I mean, she is dominating the, uh, the field and these records, the world records are falling um, relatively quickly. Well, that would make sense to a certain extent because it's a man. Well, it was a man. It was Will. And I guess Will was a star swimmer in high school on the men's team, did not make the Penn team as a man. Um, now, the NCAA rules are pretty explicit about all this stuff. They say that uh, in order to um, for a man to compete in a woman's sport, they have to go through one cycle of testosterone, which I guess she he, he must have. Um, and Will Thomas's last known event as a man was in November of 2019. This is, I'm not a psychologist. I, I, I don't know anything about the positives and negatives of transgenderism. I'm not going to comment on it. It's clearly a part of our culture that we're trying to adapt ourselves to and see if we can't figure out. But at some point in time, the lunacy of pretending that something is what it isn't or that something is fair when it clearly is unfair has to stop, right? I mean, if you have decided that you are the wrong gender in your current state and you want to switch, or maybe you've already switched and decided that's the wrong gender and you gender and you want to switch back. I mean, you know what? Knock yourself out. But someone has to draw the line so that we can have fairness in certain things like sports. I mean, you cannot pretend that someone who competed two years ago as one gender, that that does not impact their performance as a completely different gender, that you're you're just pretending if you say that. And and the other part I don't understand is it seems like the people who defend this are not trying to defend that. They're not trying to say, well, it doesn't matter. What they're saying is, well, we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Well, how about the feelings of every other female swimmer 
in collegiate sports? How about their feelings? How about all the hard work they put in? How about all the sweat equity that they actually put in to try and compete on a level playing field to just literally get blown out of the pool by a dude? Again, I don't think you appreciate the magnitude of this win. I mean, he, she, she won by 90, by, by 38 seconds uh, in the 1650 in the freestyle. 38 seconds means you have lapped the field. You are out of the pool. You are drying off and he is putting on it. She is putting on her sundress. She's putting on her sundress at this point, Brad, because she's already won the race. It's over. Yeah. You know what, buddy? I, I tell you what, I don't really feel like a woman. I never have, but I do feel a little bit like a junior hire at times. And so I think what I'm going to do is I'm not a particularly good, so I'm not bad. I'm not a particularly good swimmer, but track and field, I'm a little better at. And so I am going to declare myself to be in junior high. Now, I don't want anyone to hurt my feelings. I feel like a junior hire. I I think I was made to be a junior hire. I'm going to put on some short pants and I'm going to get on down to the track and see how I do against some of my other junior high competition. And I am just going to revel in my victories because you know what? It really doesn't matter what I look like. The fact that I'm a grown ass man, that just doesn't matter because I feel like a junior hire. And you know what? Frankly, the feelings of all the rest of the junior high competitors does not measure up to my feelings as a trans ager, right? What I'm going to call a trans ager. So I'm going to go back to where I'm 12 years old I'm going to crush all the state, national, and world records for 12-year-old competitive sports and, and, frankly, whatever sport I choose to participate in. And you know what? It's my prerogative because that's how I feel. I'll tell you what. Let me just be very candid with you if you don't mind. Would you mind if I'm candid? No, please be candid. I mean, you could dominate in junior high. Well, and that is, in fact, my plan. I mean, I, I was unable to dominate when I was in Junior high as, as when I was my own, you know, sort of my birth age at that point. Uh, but now that, uh, you know, I'm a grown ass man, I, I, I feel like a 12 year old. And so I'm going to go back now and I'm going to compete at the level that I feel like I am. And frankly, that's that's the fairest way to do it. And so I will put on my junior high P.E. gear, which fortunately I have kept here in a box mm-hmm. And I am, you know, going to go back and I'm going to run a little track. I'm going to play some baseball. I'm going to play some, I'm going to lift. I'm certainly going to power lift. And, uh, you know, I mean, and you know what? I, I don't feel bad for the no, other junior hires because you know what? We're all in the same boat. We're all in junior high. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. You're, you're as old as you feel, Brad. And I think that's a great idea. And if those, uh, the, the junior high PT clothes fit, that'll be something. I mean, that'll be astounding. And even if they don't, it doesn't matter because you're going to dominate and then you too will potentially start setting some state records. Yeah, I look forward to that. And Lee and I can sit down and talk about, you know, sort of the keys to our victory, how hard we trained, how hard we worked, how much we crushed the people that we are biologically capable of crushing by pretending to be something we're not. Well, I enjoy a good meal over that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know who could do that too? David Ginz, although he's my understanding is at this point he's looking for a beam in the uh, old executive office building that'll support his body weight. Yeah. Yeah. If he has a a lick of pride, 
still left anywhere in his Gins-like body, he will be doing exactly that. Next, Brad, we're going to give everyone an update. As we told you, we are following hot button issues of the day, and we give you updates every week here on IP Frequently. Uh, We are providing all the news you need during this half hour of time. Is it an hour? It's an hour. We are going to give you all the news that's fit to print in an hour of time. You don't need anything else, as we've said. And uh, we promise to update you on things that are really important. We do have an update on the massive asteroid uh, that is nearly twice the size of the Great Pyramid of Giza that is careening towards Earth. Um, it, Alex uh, Giza? Correct. Uh, yeah, Mr. Shakes. Uh, known as 2017 AE3. Uh, it's a big asteroid, and it indeed is still careening towards Earth. Well, I, you know, I, I, at a minimum, that's troubling. I mean, I don't like the idea of an asteroid careening anywhere. I mean, careening is generally not a positive mode of travel. And most of the time, you wouldn't say, just look at that guy careen. It's beautiful. I think that's, uh, you know, that's a... Uh... Probably not a probably not a good thing, I, I, I suppose. I mean, but we'll see. It could be moved again. We we have the Dart, um, the whole Dart uh, program that's going to potentially move that asteroid, nudge it out of the way. So we'll see. Uh, um, you know, we'll see uh, what uh, what becomes of that. But in the meantime, I would probably get your affairs in order. But uh, you know what? Maybe that's what we need is just a reset. I mean, we've got huge companies producing technology. And using slave labor to do it, and everyone just shrugging and saying, well, that's fine. As long as I get my technology, we've got men wearing women's swimsuits and competing against women and then reveling in their victories while everyone just steps back and talks about how amazing that performance was compared to all the women in the pool. And you know what, buddy? Maybe we just need an asteroid to careen on down here, hit the global reset button, and uh, see where we're at. Shake the proverbial edge of sketch. Well, Brad, um, our producer has also filled us in on this uh, super top secret uh, Chinese uh, lunar mission, which is going on as we speak. It's so top secret that it's reported in the uh, News of the World and in the New York Post. And uh, the purpose of the lunar mission um, is to investigate uh, what appears to be a fishing hut that's been erected on the uh, on the uh, on the moon. And it is uh, China's mission that is going to uh, attempt to um, determine exactly who is in that hut and what they're doing up there and how it got there. Well, I hope they have the common courtesy to be quiet and be careful where their shadow falls. I mean, the guy's trying to fish. He's already on the dark side of the moon. It's cold as hell. He's just trying to fish. So, I mean, my advice to the Chinese is, you know, navigate that little robot thing carefully i mean you know i mean the brothers make it an effort there yeah yeah but you got to be careful when you're up there you never know what uh or who could be in that hut anyone who's seen uh star trek to the wrath of khan knows you simply can't go willy-nilly into space brad you cannot go willy-nilly into space no. ricardo montalban tried it it didn't work out uh, of course he was marooned on seti alpha six not on the moon but one of the things that people are saying is that China is attempting to determine who built that hut and who lives in it as a means uh, of getting back at the United States for their diplomatic boycott of the uh, Beijing Winter Olympics, which apparently, I guess, hell, they're coming right around the corner. Are we doing that? Have we declared that we're going to be boycotting the Winter Olympics? Well, we're going to be doing a diplomatic boycott of the uh, 
Winter Olympics, which means that the Biden administration will not be sending any government officials to the Beijing Winter Games. So we're okay with them using slave labor to build our phones, but we're not going to send some low-level State Department guy to watch the Winter Olympics? David Ginz isn't going to be headed over there anytime soon. That just makes no sense. And now they're going to trouble some poor bastard who's just trying to fish on the moon. For all I know, it could be Montalban. And I don't know what happened to him after the Wrath of Khan. Fantasy Island was already over, so I know he's not doing that. I mean, maybe he's just trying to enjoy his retirement in a place he thinks he's going to get some peace and quiet until up rolls some Chinese drone. It's yeah, ridiculous. I mean, he's probably got his Lincoln Continental in there with the rich Corinthian leather. Oh, very and, rich. Uh, mm-hmm. And that sort of takes it to a whole new level. But I guess the question is, Brad, as we uh, sort of uh, wind our way to the end of another great episode of IP Frequently, is should the U.S. diplomats be banning or barring the uh, Beijing Olympics. So why are they even playing these Olympics? Didn't we just have Olympics in Japan? I mean, what, what is going on here? Why are they so close together? Does it have to do with COVID? Is it Omnicon? I don't know. Who's in the hut on the moon? Is it somehow, is it all related? And if it is all related, how does it relate to one another? And shouldn't we have people up there who are trying to figure out who's in that hut? Buddy, those are all perfectly reasonable and very well-phrased questions And we will careen our way towards the answers of all of them next week on IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.